We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Life coach Yanla Van Zandt has the kind of spirit that you want around you. She lights up every room she walks into, not just because she dresses in bright colors. Um, she's in hot pink today, but her smile is megawatt and her voice is powerful. You'd never know by looking, but she has been through it all. Trauma, abuse, loss. But those experiences have not made her bitter. Quite the opposite, which is why I wanted her to let me in on how she does it. Ianla just walked away after 10 seasons of Own's Ianla Fix My Life. And I'm talking to her today as she walks into the next chapter of her life. I'm Hoda Kotby. Welcome to my podcast, Making Space. Yama, I've been waiting for this moment, and I don't know what it is about you. I've interviewed you a couple of times, but every time I sit with you, I feel like I am in the presence of a healer, of a teacher, and I instantly turn into a student. And There's that quote, what is it, when the student's ready, ready to, to, the, the teacher, teacher appears. But when the student's really ready, the teacher disappears. What is that? Tell me that. When you're really, really ready, ready to stand in your learning, your living, your bigness, your greatness, you don't need a teacher. So the teacher disappears. Well, I need you right now. And I I think the people who are listening need you too. And I feel like there are so many uh, life lessons that you have learned in your life. One of them, I was just thinking, you have just ended a show. Mm -hmm. And the show was Iyanla Fix Fix My my Life. life. Now, how did you know it was time to let go of that? Well, the first thing is, you know, in prayer meditation, I, I just got the guidance. I say spirit instructed me, this is done. And when I hear it that clearly, that strongly, that profoundly, there's nothing you can tell me. I'm done. And I had been toying with the idea for probably about two seasons before. Mm-hmm. I could feel it coming because, you know, they say God never gives it to you all at once. He throws a pebble and then she uh-huh. throws a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had been feeling it. And I could tell in the guests and the stories and, you know, things were had reached their their peak. So when Spirit said to me, it's done, I'm like, okay, I'm out. Have you, in your life, have you been someone who has held on to things when you thought, boy, I probably should have let that thing go? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And trust, surrender, and letting go. Those have been my two biggest lessons. But I hold on long after it's necessary or productive. Yeah. And why do you think? Just because you're used to it? Because you're accustomed to it? Well, I think the thing that I've held on to the longest is men. <laughs> Long after I should have let go, I was, go, 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 go. You know, because one of the greatest humans' fears is losing love. Yeah. And so, particularly when we're in a relationship and if we think that person is 
giving us the love we want, we'll hold on. Not realizing that what that person is doing is stirring up the love that we are. Oh, say that again? Well, (laughs) in relationships, people don't bring you love or give you love. What they do is make you aware of the depth of love that you are. There are probably people listening who are in relationships, in jobs, Mm -hmm. in situations that they should get out of, but they don't have the courage. Maybe they're thinking, well, obviously I can't quit my job. I don't, I need my insurance. I need this. I got to feed my kids. I need this. Although they can't stand the job they're in. They're in a relationship and maybe it's not the right relationship, but they think, well, it's better than nothing. Mm. If that person were sitting in this chair, what would you say to them? I would want to say two things. First of all, keep it moving. (laughs) Keep it moving? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, if this doesn't work, keep it moving. Boog, out, you know? (laughs) But what happens is we, again, our brains are anesthetized by the stories that we rehearse and the tales that we tell. And the biggest thing is we think that other person or that situation Right is our source and our supply. Uh God is your source and your supply. Tap into that. I remember when I, out of projects in Brooklyn, went to college, went to law school. I was practicing law in the number one public defender's office in the country, the Philadelphia Public Defender's Mm -hmm. Office. And I came back from court from a case one day, and Spirit said, leave here now and don't ever come back. And I did. I walked away, left my law degree hanging on the wall, my honey and my tea in the drawer, and everything, papers, cases, everything. I never went back because I know who my source and my supply is. Many years later, I realized I did not go to law school to become a lawyer. I went to law school to train my mind. Uh, I didn't know that. That's interesting, yeah. I didn't go to law school to become a lawyer. But law school trained my mind into analytical thinking and into a deeper assessment of what I was seeing and hearing because I didn't learn that in New York City public Mm -mm. schools Mm -mm. or in community college or law school taught me. And I went to law school right here in New Mm -hmm. York City. When you walked out that door and you got home, did you feel confident or did you have second guesses like, "Uh uh-oh? I was peeing on myself. (laughs) (laughs) What the... What is wrong with you? And my cat was yeah. looking at me like, oh, really? <laughs> and where are my tender fiddles going to come from? <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do for work? A friend of mine said, could you teach life skills to women who are coming off of uh, public assistance? Yeah. And hmm. I said, what are life skills? She said, whatever you did to get off public assistance, oh, that's teach what it them. is. Teach what them what did you teach them? I taught them, first of all, to tell the truth about who they were and what they wanted. And then I taught them basic spiritual practices. What were the basic spiritual practices you taught them? Breathe, pray, and be still. Sit down, shut up, and listen. And and you said be honest with who you are, meaning go a little deeper Well, be honest about who you are, because most of us are who we think we need to be and not who we really are. Sometimes we're frightened little girls. Sometimes we're queens who don't know how to sit in our throne. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're mean, wet cats. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is, tell that, honor that, so that you can then make the choice of who you want to become. Uh And when you spoke to those women, what did you feel like? I just told them what I needed to hear. Ah. (laughs) 
because I've been walked away from practicing law. Am I going to end up back on welfare? What is going to happen, yeah. you know? So I just, I always teach what I need to learn. You always teach what you I need to learn. I always teach what I need to learn or what I'm learning. And when you talk about guys and changing, you know, they are kind of yeah. the way that a lot of men are the way that they are. They're good, fine guys, but... You know, you want connection on different levels. Yeah. You want spiritual, emotional, parental, financial, whatever, all the different things. And sometimes you wonder like, well, wait a minute. And Have you all- asked though? You got to ask. One of the reasons, this is what I've learned. Hmm. Uh, I can count on one hand the number of men I've been with in my life in relationship. And I made the same mistake in each one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask for what I wanted. I asked for what I thought they would give me. I would look at them, make an assessment and a judgment and say, okay, he's not going to do that. But maybe if I say this, I'll get that. It's not what you wanted, but what you thought. What I thought he would give me, what I thought he was capable of. And it wasn't until I asked for what I wanted and and was willing to hear a no. Willing to hear a no. You know, my last relationship, 14 years, we never had a fight, never had an argument. Never, never, never. We got along famously. And I just one day just said, it was the wildest thing. Hmm. He ate oatmeal raisin cookies. I like chocolate chip with nut. Mm-hmm. When I go to the store, I get oatmeal raisin and I get my chocolate chip with nuts. So one day he went to the store and he bought cookies and he bought oatmeal raisin and no chocolate chip with nuts. Hmm. Just that 14 years, that thing opened my eye. I just started sitting, I just sat back and I was like, oh my God. And this, I loved him. He was incredible. And then he went to the supermarket one day and he brought chicken thighs. I said, why did you buy chicken thighs? Where's the wings? Because I'm a wing girl and I've always cooked wings. 14 years I'm cooking chicken wings. He said, you know, I don't really like wings. I like thighs. I said, well, when the hell were you going to tell me that? (laughs) I sat back again. Oh. So you've been accepting and accommodating and tolerating less than you want. And you would go to the store. I've never gone to the store and bought me cookies and then buy you cookies. You went to the store and bought you cookies and then buy me cookies. What is that 14 years later? And it came over me. I love him, but he can't love me the way I want to be loved. Hmm. And I just adjusted to his loving. Hmm. I was done. Right then. Wow. Wow. When you know what you want. Wow. And with that being said, who who was the love of your life? Hmm. My daughter, Jamia. Hmm. Hmm. My daughter, Jamia, was the love of my life. Hmm. Loved me unconditionally from hmm. the time she was a little thing. And I don't want my son and my other daughter to think they're not the love of my life. With Jamia, I recognize that she loved me first. Mm. As a mom, there's a love that you have for your children that's just kind of natural. You almost yeah. take it for granted. Yeah. Um, and I had that for all of my children. But there was a day when I recognized that Jamia loved me, not her mother. How, what was it? What, what did you recognize? What did you say? I had a terrible, terrible cold. 
And I w- was home coughing and and she she must have been about four. And she just kind of shimmied up to me and she said, Mommy, you need to go sit in the sun. Hmm. The sun will make you better. And I want you to be better, Mommy. I don't know what there was about that. <laughs> but she it was, told you. I really think we were soulmates together many lifetimes. I, I don't know what it is. When you said her name, yeah. it just immediately like was like a knife in my heart because yeah. I was thinking the idea of losing a child. Yeah. You know, I always wonder like how would one stand? Uh, it changes that loss. who you are yeah. as a woman. It, it changed who I was as a woman. First for the worse and then for the better. How how for the better? Um, God must have really, really trusted me to give me a soul to bring into life and to trust me with the courage to send her out. Hmm. I didn't know that about myself, Hmm. that I could do something so profound as to bring a child from the darkness of my womb and then stand in my right mind to put a child in the darkness of the earth. I didn't know I could do that. How often do you think of her? Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Because she raised me. <laughs> she did. She taught me not to mix my metals, not to mix my colors. <laughs> she would be hysterical right now yeah. if she knew that you could wear polka dots and plaids <laughs> together. Okay. She raised me. She raised me. She was a short timer. Everything she needed to do, she did in those 31 years. I know that now. I didn't yeah. know that December 5th, 2003. When we come back, Iyanla on the strength she didn't know she had until circumstances left her with no other choice. Every parent is a busy parent. There's enough on your plate without piling on your kids' homework. And considering how much teaching methods have changed, most of us are a little rusty anyway. Consider IXL, an excellent resource for homework that can make a huge impact on your child's ability to learn. Backed by research, kids using IXL are actually scoring higher on their tests. Our techniques help them master topics in a fun way, complete with positive feedback. We're seeing improvements all across the country as IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S., And IXL is also very affordable. One month of IXL costs less than the typical hour of tutoring. On just one website, IXL covers all the kids in your home from pre-K to 12th grade. Sign up today to get 20% off your membership at IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. That's IXL.com slash H-O-D-A. I mean, I'm amazed, and I just want to go back a second because I think that if if you were to take your name away from who you are and say there's a story of this little girl who went through hell when she was younger, I mean, you know, you were raped at nine, you know, you were pregnant at, I think it was 16, you tell the story, your grandmother hit you with a cord of a No, she I- beat me. She did not hit me. That's how nice people say it. Black people say she beat me <laughs> with an iron cord and a razor strap and anything else she could get her hands on. I mean, 
I just can't imagine that she just didn't beat the joy out of you. It was purposeful. I didn't know that then. You know, we each come here with a spiritual curriculum, a contract to fulfill, and a docket of experiences. Yeah. So our contract, our curriculum, and our docket is aligned with who we agreed to come here to be. Okay. So those physical experiences taught me one thing. I'm more than a body. Of course, I didn't know that when I was getting the hell beat out of me, either by my grandmother or my husband. Those emotional experiences taught me the depth and the expansion, the the, the breadth of our capacity to feel. We know happy, sad, good, bad, right, wrong. We don't know the complexity and the magnitude of our emotional Mm -hmm. selves because Mm -hmm. we're not taught that. Right. Yeah. So everything that I experienced, how I would tell it now, I would not say I've been through difficulties in life. I would say that the purpose of my life required that I had a depth of experience that would allow me to speak to people huh. in the depths of their pain, in the depths of their sorrow. You knew what that was. So I because I knew what that was, so that I could support them, not lift them, support them as they find out how to get out. When you were leaving your husband finally, oh, and yeah. you know what's weird? I actually am having a moment here as I'm sitting here with you a long, long time ago, I interviewed you for Dateline. Oh my I God. was brand new. And I I remember remember (laughs) you told me a story and it was when you were basically on your knees and you couldn't take it one more day. And that was the moment everything changed. But what describe that moment. When did you decide that's enough beating, right? That's it. I'm I'm at my breaking point. I'm out. You know what? I don't think it was a decision. Uh, I think it was a knowing. And what I knew was if I don't get out of here, he's going to kill me. And my children won't have a mother. And so I knew it was like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I told you. And I packed one grocery bag for each kid. My son was about five. Jameer must have been then three. And the baby was in my arms. Mm. Everybody got one grocery bag. And I got whatever I could find because he was in the room where my stuff was. Mm. And we left. (laughs) I took my babies and I was out of there and walked to the train station before I realized I don't have no money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't even get a token. Subway token, I remember. Right, I don't have a token. And I'm sitting there now and I'm saying, if I go back, he's going to kill me. Yeah. He's going to kill me because he may not know that I'm gone. But if I come back in, he's going to kill me. And in that moment, Mm -hmm. I no train had come in. Mm -hmm. No train had gone out. This man comes walking down the stairs and he passed me. I've got one baby here, one on each thigh. And he says, what do you need? Mm -hmm. I said, I need a token and a cigarette. Mm -hmm. He gave me one of each Mm -hmm. and walked away. And then I realized, oh my God, I didn't say thank you. And when I jumped up and looked over the rail, because it was an outside train station in Canarsie, there was nobody. And I knew, I said, that was an angel. Hmm. Why didn't I ask for a pack of cigarettes and $100? <laughs> <laughs> Did 
You never lost your sense of humor, even through all of it. But here's the lesson. What? Don't we ask for the need in the moment as opposed to the possibility for forever? Oh, that's good. Yeah. We, we get stuck on the contingency, this right here. I, I need this little for, thing. I yeah. asked him for one cigarette and one token. I didn't even know where I was going. I could have bought a lot of tokens had I, and had a whole pack of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there you were starting from nothing. Nothing. Scared kids, no money, nothing, zero. So if anyone is listening and they feel like they're on their knees, you actually were defining what that was. How did you, did you keep optimism for your kids? Were you real with them? What did they think was happening? They were young enough and children are flexible. They'll do anything for pizza. Yeah, yeah. Just keep promising them pizza. (laughs) And when you promise, deliver. Yeah. But here was the key for me, willing. Willingness. I was willing to do whatever it took. Uh Willing. I didn't know what it was. I didn't have control over it. And that's why many of us don't make the step into the next level of living because Mm -hmm. we're not willing to do what's required. Mm -hmm. We're lazy or we're frightened or we think we're too good. I was willing. That's all you need is willingness. You don't have to have know-how. You don't have to have money. You have to have an open heart, an open mind, and a willing spirit to start again. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Do you, did you, do you hate your husband, your ex-husband? Well, he did, so I ain't gonna waste my time, but no. (laughs) But he you, was my greatest teacher. He was my greatest I teacher. I cannot believe you're saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was my greatest teacher. Um, first of all, again, everybody comes here with a curriculum, a contract, and a docket. Yeah. I chose him. Why did you choose him? You well, I, I, my soul must have been drinking at the time. <laughs> I put some yeah. jacked up stuff yeah. on my docket yeah. and I signed a really yeah. a contract that I did not read. Okay. <laughs> but we all do that. Yes, we I do. chose him because one of my greatest lessons in life is unconditional love and forgiveness. Uh. Unconditional love and forgiveness. You know, my mother died when I was two, so I never really experienced love without conditions. Uh. I had to, people loved me and gave me a place to live. Or if they loved me, they would treat me nice. Or if they loved me, I would do what they want me to do. But without a mom to really, I had to learn unconditional love. So that's one of the lessons. And that's why I can do what I do without, you know, um, losing pieces and parts of my soul. Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Hmm. Love is always available. Mm. Love sees the best. Love brings the light to the darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. Did you have to consciously forgive him or forgive your grandmother? Yeah, I, I did. All? I had to consciously, I, listen, I hated my mother-in-law for giving birth to my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how deep I went. <laughs> so, yeah, but... Then when I really understood the, again, the curriculum, the contract, the docket, and I looked at what he taught me, he taught me how I will belittle myself to please someone else. He Mm -hmm. taught me how I will do without what I need and lie about it and make do with less than what I want. He taught me how I abuse myself. Mm -hmm. He abused me physically, but I abused myself emotionally and psychologically by thinking that I was stupid or wasn't good enough, that I was was ugly, that I couldn't do any better. I, I abused myself internally far worse than he ever did externally. 
how did you heal that? Because having like a terrible self-esteem, feeling bad about who you are and what you're about, how did you even begin to heal that? In 1978, I found a book called A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles? Yeah. Uh And I started studying A Course in Miracles, which led to another uh, book called, by Ernest Holm, called The um, this thing called you. Okay. And it was studying classic spiritual um, literature that took me out of the trance of religious degradation because religion told me that I was wretched and born in sin. Religion told me that I um, had to depend on someone outside of me for a relationship with God. And then I had to be thankful to someone that I didn't understand about what I could be to God. Mm. And A Course in Miracles and this thing called You and Science of Mind and and so many other books that I've read and teachers that I was exposed to said, no, 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 no. You are just as God created you to be. And God's plan for your salvation is the only one that will work. And don't forget your purpose. Your purpose is forgiveness. That's your only purpose, love and forgiveness. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's what I learned. That's some heavy, beautiful, beautiful yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, that's big. Yeah. But you know, when you're a little black girl and nobody is telling you how to be something that God loves, hmm. that stuff right there, to find that, first of all, to learn how to receive it, mm. it's, it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's can it, me too, me the little black girl, you know? <laughs> so, but I'm grateful. Wow. It's on my docket. You said some people come in for a reason, a season, or a, a lifetime. lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Into your life. Right. Yeah. And why do you to explain why you believe that? A reason, a season, or a lifetime? Because a reason, like my ex-husband came into my life to teach me everything I needed to know about the truth of who I am. Because living with him, I realized that that wasn't who I was. Mm. I wasn't that little girl that needed to be beaten and, uh, and violated. I was, that's not who I was. I wasn't that person, mm-hmm. you know? I chose life experiences because mm-hmm. I made it through all of that. You sure did. So I had to know they were purposeful. Right, right. Because I made it through. Yeah. So there's a reason, a season. That's when people come in, like my daughter. She was in my life for a season and a lifetime. Mm-hmm. But I've had relationships, deep relationships with people that, boop, just end. Yeah. The season is over. Once the reason has been satisfied, the season will ah. be over. And then a lifetime, that's your mother, that's anybody who you share blood with. Blood with yeah. I don't care how you hate them, don't like them. They're going to be in your life for the rest of your life. So you might as well make peace with them. Mm. Up next, can people change? Ianla weighs in. Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? 
The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how Vivgard, Fgard Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgard.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash M-O-A. Brought to you by Argenix. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Do you think anybody can change? Everybody can change. For real? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So what does it take for someone to change? Because there are a lot of people who say, this is me. Willingness. I've always been like, oh, you got to have willingness. Yeah. How do you know when it's really time for a change? I think that it's called divine discontent. Mm. And you just kind of, when you, for me, it's when I just can't do this no more. That's I just it. can't. Yeah. You feel it. It's I, Right. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it won't be this. Yeah. I just can't anymore. And we know that. And then we allow the cooties fear and control and ego, those mm-hmm. are cooties, mm-hmm. <laughs> to start nibbling on our thinking. Yeah. And we'll convince ourselves that we can stay where we are. But that divine discontent, we just can't breathe, <sighs> you know? See, the thing is, we are so wonderfully and fearfully made. We really do know. We know yeah. when it's time to stop, when it's time to go. We do know. But we're, but we convince ourselves. We have highly sophisticated defense mechanisms. <laughs> we sure do. You can convince yourself, I'll stay in this job for two more years. I'll stay with him for another year. Let's yeah. see if it's different next yeah. year. Even though you're not doing anything different, you're just adding more time. Yeah. And it's fear. So we will do that. And um, until something really devastating happens, either it'll blow up in our face or, you know, Mm -hmm. it'll begin to affect another part of our life Mm -hmm. or it's snatched out of our hands. Mm. Now, that's the one we really, that's when we really go crazy. Yeah. It gets snatched away from us. And instead of us saying, hallelujah, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We weep and cry and go into breakdown. Does your spirituality come and go? Is it always strong? Do you ever drift away? I get lazy and uh, disobedient. The thing, here's the good news. You will never be any more spiritual than you are right now. And here's the bad news. You will never be any more spiritual than you are right now. The thing is, your practice. Yeah. That's what deepens, expands, broadens. That's what it is. And sometimes I'm I'm always praying. Yeah. Who are you praying for or what are you praying about? It all depends. Sometimes I'm praying that the person in the car in front of me get the hell out of my (laughs) way. I mean, I pray about that too. Take these people away to their good right now, Lord. Take them now, Lord, because I'm late. Lord. (laughs) 
What What's like some practical advice? If, like what would you advise someone to do if they want to? Create change in your life? Yeah. I, I'm going back to what I told the women on welfare. Start telling the truth yeah. about who you are and what you want. Yeah. Most of us, most people won't say out loud who they are and what they want, yeah. what they're up to. Most people don't even know, they don't even know who they are. They really don't know. They don't have a vision yeah. for yourself. Where, where do you see yourself? And you don't have to know what you're doing because people get all creeped out about purpose. I want to know my purpose. Yeah. I want to. Your purpose gave birth to you. Yeah. Your purpose gave birth to you. Yeah. You find your purpose by standing strongly in who you are and asking for what you want. Do what you're good at. That's what your purpose is. Do what you're good at. Do what you're Simple. good at. Yeah. As uh, authentically. Yeah. See, I'm not a television star. That's why I could walk away from television. I'm a teacher. The only thing I needed to do was change classrooms. Huh. I'm still going to do who I am. Uh-huh. I just don't need to do it in front of a camera anymore. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh-huh. I would say start there. Mm-hmm. Let's just start to tell the truth mm-hmm. about who you are, what you feel, mm-hmm. what you want. Mm-hmm. That'll move you. You don't have to worry about your purpose. Mm-hmm. Your purpose gave birth to you. Right. But what is it? How is it that you want to express who you are? Yeah. How do you want to express that? Yeah. You know, you do it so beautifully every morning. I love you. I love <laughs> And I, I mean, I've been watching you since I was holding <laughs> Kathy, you know. And, and you know, when you make a flub or you do something yeah. or you have an awareness, you just right out there with it. Yes. You know, I right love it. I love that. Yeah. But how many people won't do that? Does the work continue? Are you still oh, still working, still learning? And how do you at this point when you've, obviously people are coming to you for advice. How do you keep that fresh? Well, you all? know, I'm, I'm lucky that most of my healing work is done. Mm-hmm. The traumatic memories, mm-hmm. the, the unforgiveness, the places where I had to really go in and sit mm-hmm. in the pain and, and do the work required to release it from my mind, my heart, my body. Mm-hmm. That's healing work. Mm-hmm. Growth work then is about me changing how I do what I do. And so on my docket, anything that I teach or write about, I have to live. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I made that yeah. choice. Why couldn't I just be an intellectual, just spewing words of wonderfulness all over the place? <laughs> but no, no. <laughs> if I want to learn about abundance, I've got to live through scarcity. If I want to learn about relationships, I've got to live through the upheavals, the yeah, whatever it sure. is. That's how my purpose unfolds because I'm a teacher and I teach from experience. Of, of your students, and there have been many, some mm-hmm. on your show, some you've just visited with, some listen to you everywhere. There are certain people who actually really do make concrete changes that are lasting. Yeah. What's the common thread among the people who've been able to sustain that change? Because I think a lot of people want to. Some people actually do it and keep it up. It hurt them bad enough. They were hurting bad enough that they were willing to do what was required. It hurt them bad enough. Some people talk about change, but it doesn't hurt bad enough. Mm. You'll lay on the nail complaining about the nail until it hurts bad enough. Mm. And the people who really made the change, like with me, um, it hurt bad enough that they were willing to do what was required. Mm. Well, Iyanla, you are um, you're a force, boy. I, I mean, all those years ago when I sat with you, and here I sit today, I'm learning things. I feel full. 
I feel ready for, for my day and my life. And I've already thought about some of the changes that you talked about that I'm going to go ahead and work on myself. Okay. Thank you, Iyanla. Thank you for having me. And love I, you, you know, I just want you to know at all times, I just love you. And like I said, I see you every day. <laughs> you don't see me, but I see you every day. Oh, I love you. Thank you, Iyanla. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for listening and going on this journey with me. If you like what you've heard, and I sure hope you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger and Ursula Summer, along with associate producer Olivia Rouchard, researcher Rachel Young, and audio engineer Bob Mallory. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Minna Kathoria is our executive producer. Soraya Gage is our general manager. And Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.